Hello again, welcome to another episode of the Rainy Market Minute. Today is Thursday, July 7th, and this is episode number 148. My name is Justin Hewn. I am your host and the founder and publisher of the Uranium Insider Pro Newsletter, the only investing newsletter that focuses solely on uranium and publishes on a regular monthly basis. As always, nothing that you see or hear in this podcast is intended to be investing advice. I'm not your financial advisor. This is not financial advice. Please always do your own due diligence when it comes to investing and always take responsibility for your own choices. All right. Welcome back. Um, had a, a pretty good day in the markets today uh, overall, and uh, the uranium stocks did quite well. A number of them were up 8, 9, 10% on the day, um, even though we're back at levels not seen since last week. Really not a huge breakout, but either way, you know, it sure feels good and they stop hitting you in the head with a hammer. Uh, so nice to see at least some green across the screen. In fact, portfolio wide was a very, very strong day. So good to see a little bit of relief there. We'll look at the charts in just a moment. The mailbag section, I want to talk about an interview that was done with Paul Ma of CGN Mining. And this uh, was done by Bloor Street Capital, James Connor. I'm going to put a link in the description of the show. Um, I suggest that you watch it, at least watch the first half of it, because it gives a lot of detail about China's nuclear plans and their build out. <clears throat> I apologize. I still have a bit of a bit of a cold and a little bit of a residual kind of throat raspiness. So uh, bear with me here. Before we get into the rest of that, why don't we go ahead and uh, jump into the daily scoreboard here. Spot price uranium slipping slightly, 48.13 a pound with the spot trust trading up one or 2% on the day. We'll see just a minute. I don't recall where it closed on the day. Uh, closed yesterday at a negative 14.48% uh, discount to their net asset value prior to the previous day of minus 19%. That was a pretty big move back towards NAV yesterday that primarily had to do with the spot price slipping. But today, with the spot price slipping another you know, 12 cents and the spot trust trading up, we're probably more around a 10% discount to NAV. Historically, still relatively large, but hey, uh, at least we chopped it in half in two days. That's, that's pretty good to see. Um, obviously, they did not raise any cash. They did not buy any pounds either, so they're still sitting on 65.2 million in cash They've been holding that amount of cash since they last purchased. I think it's been close to two weeks since that happened. Turning to the ETFs, uh, URA nor URNM had any changes to their outstanding share account. I have a feeling that tomorrow's reporting will show some redemptions from probably at least from URA from uh, Tuesday's trading. We had that pretty big volume sell-off day that's pretty nasty across the sector. I had, and it had the feeling, to me, it had the feeling of of ETF selling. So very curious to see what those numbers come in uh, probably tomorrow. That's There's a lag for both of these reporting. So we'll have to see about that. Let's take a look at the charts. URA trading up nicely today, up almost 6% on the day, closing right darn near the highs of the day. That's a pretty good sign. It's been a while since we've seen that. Uh, so in the volume was uh, respectable. Not huge, not breakout volume, but it was above average volume, at least looking at a 10-day average. Good to see that. Still, obviously, in the short term, we're looking at a very bearish chart here. Um, that nice move came off of that uh, positive RSI divergence. So we'll see if we have some follow-through. Obviously, we want to see follow-through. If we see some risk coming back on the markets, there's a lot of speculation about next week's CPI. Um, expecting, I think the market is expecting it to come in lower. Possibly uh, the Fed might slow down with the rate hikes. Uh, this is all speculation. That's what everybody's betting on in terms of the broad markets being back to risk on. And it's interesting. I was chatting with somebody today on Twitter and I was just telling him that I haven't had the feeling that we've really seen 
panicked, you know, super fearful capitulation in the uranium sector. We've, you know, the sell-off has been pretty precipitous, but we haven't seen huge volume selling that we see typically in a, in a very fearful capitulation type situation. We have not seen that. But if you look at other sectors, and, you know, even with that said, we've seen the AUM of the ETFs uh, sell off by more than a billion dollars since the highs of just in April, since the highs in April were down, you know, 30, 35% since April. So it's been a big sell-off in the uranium sector. But if we look at other sectors, I mean, we're talking about $35 trillion wiped out this year. Uh, we've seen the tech sector just get eviscerated. We've seen huge, huge mega cap tech stocks down massively this year. We've seen a huge wipeout in crypto. So it's not like we haven't seen a major um, a major setback to kind of the, the overall wealth effect in the markets. We absolutely have. Uh, either way, what I would like to see here in the sector, technically speaking, would be a basing pattern. I'd like to see us move sideways for a bit here. I don't like V-shaped recoveries. Uh, I mean, generally speaking, when that happens, they aren't sustainable with some exceptions. Obviously, with March 2020, that V-shaped recovery did sustain for quite some time, largely assisted by QE. But um, I would love to see some, uh, some basing here, some sideways movement and some accumulation. I'd like to see some accumulation. Now, I do think that there has been a, a mild amount of, of accumulation over the past couple of months. I think that there has been some smart money positioning. In fact, I know there has been because I've been speaking with that smart money and uh, they have all been relatively aggressive on the buy side. That doesn't mean we can't go lower, of course. But um, either way, I would like to see this, uh, this chart recover, move sideways, have those moving averages start to flatten out. And we create a base, uh, a place where we can move up from more sustainably rather than a short-term blast off in a V-shaped recovery where everybody questions, is this sustainable or not? Those longer-term basing periods tend to give rise to a longer-term breakout period to the upside. Cameco also had a pretty good day, up 6.61% on the day. Didn't close near the highs, not breakout volumes for Cameco. But um, we could see, be looking at a little bit of a double bottom here. That obviously would be a good thing to see. Got rejected right at its, right at its dropping 20-day moving average. Even the 200-day for Cameco is moving down. Still a short-term bearish chart for Cameco, and it's probably the best-looking chart in the space. Broad Physical Uranium Trust traded up 3% on the day, and with spot price fallings, we are probably right around that 10 or 11% discount. NAV still quite a ways to go. Um, still, we're making some kind of some higher lows here as we move sideways for the past three weeks or so with rising RSI. This chart is starting to shape up a little bit. Looks like it's building on a move. Hopefully, that move is in the direction we all want it to be in. Let's take a look at NextGen. This is another large cap in the uranium space. And this one has been particularly uh, brutalized over the past few weeks, past few months, actually. Um, my, my theory on this one is, you know, along with Cameco, along with Denison, some other large caps in the space, um, these, are, these are more likely to be held by funds. And a lot of funds saw redemptions in the second quarter due to the underperformance of the markets in general. Um, having some level of investor panic, obviously not capitulation levels, but um, when investors want their money back, the fund's not sitting on that cash, they got to sell what they hold. And I think that some of these large caps have been held by these funds, but this also another one of very, very obvious positive divergence in the relative strength. Nice day today, up almost 10% on the day. Still, where's the volume? Volume's not there. 
Um, obviously today with a 10% move on, on less than average, if not maybe average volume, uh, the sellers might just be getting tired here. Uh, we, we've been in a volatile, mostly down moving market for months here and possibly we're seeing some seller exhaustion. So it doesn't take a whole lot of buying to produce these large moves to the upside. This also could be a double bottom pattern here. Um, we'll need to see if we follow through. I would like to see it break above this $4.10 level for next gen. Let's look briefly at the URA relative to the S&P. This one uh, definitely could be in the category of making an undercut low with this trend line. Long-term, of course, we continue to outperform if we're zooming out. And if we really zoom out and look at the weekly chart of this, which I uh, really enjoy doing, this gives me a long-term perspective of just where we could go with this and how early we really are in this trend. But looking at the daily chart, we did break below that trend line, brought back up above the trend line here, and uh, would like to see some continuation and outperformance relative to the S&P going forward. All right, um, mailbag section. So I wanted to talk about, like I mentioned at the front uh, end of this podcast, there's an interview done by James Conner from Bloor Street Capital. He interviewed Paul Ma from CJN Mining. CJN Mining is a Chinese uh, state-owned corporation, and uh, they have a number of operations globally. They have um, a JV, the Ortolik project in, Ka in Kazakhstan with that mine is expanding in the next few years. He did talk about that in the interview. But there was a lot of very interesting data at the front end of that interview that really put some perspective on just how industrious uh, China can be when they set their when they set their goals to something. Um, so, so I'm going to give you a couple of interesting data points from the beginning of that interview, um, just in case you don't actually watch it. These are kind of my takeaways that I thought were noteworthy about China's nuclear plans and their current build out. So China, China has 54 reactors operating in the third largest nuclear producing energy, nuclear energy producing country in the world behind France and the United States. They have 19 reactors under construction right now. That is one third of the global uh, reactors are under construction. So the global build outs that are happening right now, uh, what is that? That's 57 reactors roughly. I think there's a few less than that, 56 maybe. They have a third of the, of the, of the world's current build outs of nuclear uh, power plants, 19 reactors under construction. There have been 20 new units approved since 2019 and six approved in the last 12 months. These are, these are projects, a lot, the six that are approved in the last 12 months, they haven't broken ground yet. They haven't poured first concrete, but uh, you can see that those approvals are in line with their five-year plan, their latest five-year plan. And what is that latest five-year plan? 70 gigawatts by 2025. And they're currently right around uh, 54 gigawatts, 55 gigawatts, maybe a couple less than that, low 50s. Essentially, what does that mean? 54 reactors operating. To get to 70 gigawatts, that's another 16 reactors connected to the grid in the next two and a half years. Chinese are going all out in nuclear right now. This was a really interesting data point. Of their 54 reactors that are currently operating, 41 of them are less than 10 years old. That is how they've built 41 reactors in the last 10 years. Uh, that, that is how, um, how ambitious they have been about nuclear in this past decade and going forward. They know, uh, they know the benefits of nuclear from an industrial standpoint, from a baseload standpoint, from a growth perspective for their country. And obviously, they have unbelievable pollution problems. Um, you know, they're still uh, the last I heard of building a new coal power plant every week or two in China. 
So eventually they want to get off of that. And for now, the best way they can do that is to add nuclear as fast as they can. So that's their goal. 70 gigawatts by 2025, that's 16 reactors in two and a half years. What is their goal by 2035? 200 gigawatts by 2035 is China's goal. That is a huge, huge expansion. That is 140 plus new reactors in the next 13 years, next 12 years. Just phenomenal, the goals that they're setting right now. And I tell you what, they are on pace to meet that if this pace continues, they are on pace to meet that goal. So I wanted to share those with you because um, you know that's really kind of a big part of the thesis, right? Especially on the demand side going forward. Now, the Chinese buildouts don't really move the needle in the short term. And even if they slow down their buildouts, that wouldn't necessarily change the short term thesis, even potentially the midterm thesis. Uh, we do expect the Chinese to continue buying. We just, I, I talked about this contract that was signed. Now, this is between two Chinese state-owned corporations, between CGN uh, Mining and CGNC. And, um, but that, that contract was for, um, you know, 2023 to 2025 at $62 a pound fixed and 60% reference to the market. So, um, you know, we're seeing the prices rise. We're seeing, this is going to be the first real strong year in long-term contracting that has slowed down since the beginning of the year, but still we're sitting at 70 million pounds contracted view 308 this year. So far, six months into the year, we're going to break over hundred million pounds this year. And that'll be the first year in long-term contracting more than hundred million pounds since 2012. This is the beginning of the contracting cycle. Um, I, I always hate it when I hear, when are the utilities going to step up? When are they going to step up? You know, they're always contracting. They've been signing shorter term contracts and carry trades over the past many years. And the long-term contracts are happening. Now, right now, the utilities are focused on securing conversion and enrichment, but going forward, that U308 contracting volume is going to increase. So I do fully expect us to break through that 100 million pound level this year. And I do expect higher prices by the end of the year in U308. Um, and interestingly enough, we could see the movement in conversion and enrichment catch up to the U308 market right around a time, perhaps where we see risk come back onto the markets. Now that could be honestly, as soon as next week or the week after, depends on how the Fed reacts to the CPI. We're already hearing some leaks. Um, I believe it was from Bullard that uh, basically said the Fed would consider lowering rates if we get back to a lower inflation level. Markets like that leak. So that's something obviously, you know, I, I'm out of my lane and speculating on that, but um, focusing on the uranium sector looks beautiful. It's beautiful and everything that I'm seeing here. So I'm happy to see a good day today. It's, it's refreshing to see a strong day with some green on the screen, see some, um, some reactions across markets is also good to see. And perhaps we've seen enough pain. I don't know. We didn't end in capitulation. And really, honestly, if we look at pullbacks, significant corrections of this magnitude in the past, they don't always end in a, in a fearful high volume flush. Not every time about half the time it ends in that. So it isn't guaranteed every time that we see, um, you know, gaps filling from three years ago that we see uh, double, triple daily volume capitulation at the bottoms with a big panicked, fearful flush. It doesn't have to happen. Will it happen? It might, but it doesn't have to. Definitely doesn't have to. So either way, hopefully we'll see some, some basing here and some stabilization across the uranium markets as far as the shares go and a continuation of positive movement in the U308 price. Um, going forward, uh, things look pretty rosy here for the most part, at least if we look out mid and long term. And even in the short term, nice to see some recovery today. All right. Hope you have a great day. I will see you again tomorrow. Cheers.